Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. All right, good morning, good morning. Merry Christmas. It's the time of year where we can wish each other Merry Christmas. So Merry Christmas. All right, are you ready to laugh? Ha, 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 just repeat after me, ha, 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 ho, 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 all right, I have a, a Christmas-specific joke, so here we go, Mary, the mother of Jesus, exhausted, having just gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man thinking to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> okay, that they're going to get better. <laughs> the little drummer boy. Okay, never mind. All right. <laughs> okay, this next one is for short people. This made me laugh. I don't know if I'm short. I'm not tall, though, so I think I'm in between somewhere. But this is for short people. God only lets things grow until they're perfect. Some of us didn't take as long as others. <laughs> Got one amen. <laughs> Okay, and then this one is really just helpful information. So this is worshiping, excuse me, worshiping do's and don'ts. Okay, worshiping do's and don'ts. So this is just, I want to help you guys out to know what to do when, when it comes time to worship. So do raise your arms upwards. Arms raised in a V like the Pearl Jam song. Don't spin arms outward. Similar to a helicopter blade, you may clothesline or decapitate neighbors. Do kneel quietly. Clench hands together tightly for the full effect. Don't knee drop ushers. Church pews should never be treated like the top rope in a professional wrestling match. Do clap hands to the beat. Don't slap heads to the beat. Thomas is not your tom drum. Tammy is not your tambourine. Jim is not your djembe, and so on and so forth. Do pray spontaneously. This will show others that you are truly on fire for Jesus. Don't spontaneously combust. Don't literally start on fire for Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> mm. Ha, ha, ha. You, I, we should have had some faith laughs in there. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Oh, well, it only goes up from here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of your presence. We thank you for the privilege of your presence. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you, Jesus. We thank you that we have access to you, God. We thank you that you're not holding back anything from us, God, that you've released your blessing over us. Father, we just pray for revelation today. We pray for just understanding. We pray for your anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. So we're going to start in John chapter 15. And we're going to read verses 12 through 17. If you want to follow along, 
I'm going to be reading in uh, New American Standard, NASB. John 15, verse 12. And we're going to go through 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. This is Jesus speaking. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has known than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So what has he commanded us? Amen. It's good. It's in the first, the first verse we read. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Verse 15. No longer do I call you slaves. Many translations say servants. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So Chad Dedman uh, was here last week. How many enjoyed Chad Dedman? He was awesome. Blessed us. He really blessed us in the, in the men's retreat. And he, when he was here, he shared a dream that he had uh, with Bob Jones in it. Now, if you don't know who Bob Jones is, he's a, a well-known prophet, uh, very well-known, well-respected. Some of the most amazing stories I've ever heard of um, just amazing prophecy and stuff have come from uh, Bob Jones and around Bob Jones. And he shared a dream that he had with Bob Jones. And one of the things that Bob told him in the dream was that God is releasing strategy in this season to friends of God. So, and specifically, he was talking about Bob Jones. One of the things that he prophesied was the billion soul harvest. And he, he said specifically, it was God is releasing strategy for the billion soul harvest in this season. And he's releasing it to his friends. He's releasing it to friends of God. And I believe that God wants to release strategy for every area of your life. He wants to release strategy for your marriage. He wants to release strategy for your job, for your business. He wants to release strategy to you, but he's releasing strategy to his friends. Those who know him as a friend. Jesus said, I don't call you servants. Any longer I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. So you're getting the connection. God wants to release strategy to his friends because if you're in this place of not seeing yourself as a friend, you're not going to know what the master is doing. I've called you friends, and he says, all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. God is releasing strategy in this hour to his friends. So we need to shift from a servant mindset into a friendship mindset. Let me say that again. We need to shift from a servant mindset into a friendship mindset. A servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but friends work together. Amen? Friends work together. 
In the time of Moses, the children of Israel were rebelling against God. Moses goes up the mountain. They had actually plundered. The Lord allowed them to plunder the Egyptians. And so they had all this, these, this gold. Probably didn't do much good in the, uh, in the wilderness. But they take all the gold and they make this golden calf and they begin to worship this golden calf. And even worse, they say, this is the God who delivered us out of Egypt. And so God, God's up on the mountain with Moses, and he, he starts to tell Moses, he says, Moses, your people are rebellious. They're rebelling right now. They're doing some bad things. And God says to Moses, I'm just going to wipe them out, and I'm going to start over with you. And Moses has this dialogue with God. He's a friend of God. And Moses has this dialogue with God, and he says, God, if you do that, the Egyptians are going to say that you're a cruel God, that you would take your people out of slavery, bring them into the wilderness just to wipe them out. Now, why does Moses do that? There's a lot of things we could glean from this. One is that it's amazing that he's having this dialogue with God as a friend. But number two is why, why would Moses say this to God? Because friends care about each other's reputations. He's actually speaking to God and relating to God as a friend. And he's like, God, that's going to hurt your reputation. And as a friend, I don't want to see your reputation get hurt like that. And something amazing happens. It says God changes his mind. It actually says God repents. Now, if you understand what repent means, that's not a shock because repent means to change your mind. It says God changes his mind and God says, okay, and by the way, Moses, God calls the Israelites Moses' people. And by the way, Moses says, God, they're your people. And if you destroy your people, the, Israel, the Egyptians are going to say that you're a cruel God. So friends care about each other's reputations. And friend will, friends will protect each other's reputations. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what the master's doing. God wants you to know what he's doing. God wants to co-labor with you. God wants to work together with us. He wants to partner with us. And we can't do that if we're in this mental mindset of slavery or, or thinking, feeling like we're a servant. Do we want to serve God? Yes, absolutely. But there was, there was a place where the disciples, they were serving God, they were serving Jesus, and they actually graduated at some point from that place of just serving God into friendship. It's a higher level of relating to God. Yes, we want to serve God. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Yes, we serve God. But at some point, we're going we're gonna to graduate into a deeper level of friendship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we need to leave the mindset of I'm doing something for God, and we need to start to do things with God. He wants us to do things with him, co-laboring, friendship, partnership. There's a big difference between the for and the with. 
He doesn't just want us to do things for him. He wants us to do things with him. Amen. Those of us that have children, how much more exciting is it to do something with our children rather than them feeling like I have to do something for mom and dad to get their blessing. But what's more exciting for us is we want to do things with them. Amen. God created you for partnership. You were created for God's glory. Now, I've been hitting on this, and I'm going to keep hitting on it. Because we can take that statement, and I know even I took that statement for a long time, and I, I mentally processed that statement as this. Okay, I was made to do things that give God glory, and he gets all the credit. But what if that doesn't, what if that's not what that means? What if it means your purpose for being on earth was to be filled with God's glory? You were created for his glory, to encounter his glory, to be filled with his glory, to experience him. Read John chapter 17. It's all about God's glory and Jesus saying, God, I want to share the glory that you've given to me with them. You were created for God's glory. Amen? So how do you get the glory on you? How do you get it on you? The glory's on me. How do you get it on you? Proximity. Proximity. Boldly approach the throne of grace as a friend. Now you could say, Christ lives in me. I already have the glory all over me, and I would agree with that. But there is something about acknowledging his presence and approaching him as friend that makes the glory tangible. That's like I'm experiencing the glory. It's why we experience it in worship. It's like we're acknowledging his presence, and we start to encounter the glory of God, the presence of God. Proximity. Boldly approach the throne of grace as a friend. Greater love has no one than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. So interesting, it doesn't say he would lay down his life for his family. It doesn't say that he would lay down his life for his children. It says greater love has no one than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. How many know when you read a scripture, I'm sure everybody's had this experience. How many have read a scripture that you've read years before and you get a whole new revelation out of it? Yeah. So there's, multi, I believe there's multiple revelations in everything that's in, in scripture. So I believe when Jesus is saying, greater love has known than this, then he had laid down his life for his friend. He's not just telling us what it looks like to be a great friend. I think that's part of it. But that's, that's not the fullness of it. I believe he's actually foreshadowing something for us. He's getting ready to die. And he's saying, greater love is known than this, and he'd lay down his life for his friend. This is what he's getting ready to do. He's like, I'm getting ready to lay down my life for all of you who I call friends. Friends. Friendship is what God is calling us into. And he's releasing strategy. I, I believe he's releasing end time strategy to his friends. 
He's releasing strategy for your life to his friends, for those who see him as friend and interact with him as friends. Do you know that the first problem in the world was not sin? The first problem in the world was not sin. God's creating the world, and after he creates something, he says, this is good. He makes the oceans, and he's like, that's good. He makes the heavens, and he's like, and that's good. He creates all the animals. He says, that's good. But there's one thing that he spoke about that he says, that's not good. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. This was before sin. So this was the first problem that we see in Scripture before sin. It's not good that man would be alone. How many know you're created for companionship? You're created for companionship with God and companionship with fellow, your fellow man, with those around you. It's not good for man to be alone. We're designed for companionship and friendship. The biblical definition for truth means nothing hidden. So Joy and I learned this years ago when we did, uh, up in Reading, we did this thing called Love After Marriage. And one of the first things, I think it was like a five-day intensive. And the very first day, the very first session, it's about the word truth and the fact that truth means nothing hidden. So in other words, it's not just being truthful when you're, when you're asked to be truthful, but it's having nothing hidden. In marriage, it looks like I don't have anything hidden from my spouse. I don't have a hidden bank account. I don't have secrets that I keep from her. I don't have um, things in my life that I'm, that I'm not willing to share with her. I'm, I'm an open book. I have nothing hidden in my marriage. So Jesus said in John 15, 15, 15, I have called you friends. For all the things I've heard from my Father, I've made known. I've made known to you. How many know that God is not hiding anything from you? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. What does truth mean? Nothing hidden. God is not hiding anything from you. It's all out in the open. All the things that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. All things. Say all things. All things. God is not hiding himself from us. He's not hiding revelation from us. He's not hiding blessing from us. Do you believe that? What do you need from God today? Because I promise you that whatever you need, it's not being hidden from you. It's not being hidden from you. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. All things that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. What if you approach God as a friend for the things that you needed instead of as a servant? Because it's a completely different approach. 
a servant's approach would be, what can I do to earn what I need from you, God? What can I do to earn what I need? Friendship looks like I know that my friend wants to help me with what I need, and they actually are happy to do it. They actually want to give us good things. They want to bless us. They want to be a blessing in our life. God is not hiding anything from you. He has what you need, and he wants to give it to you. So I believe God is releasing strategy in this season to his friends. All right, let me hit this from another angle. A few months ago, I was speaking on what it means to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. And we get the example of what it looks like to be a spiritual mother or father. We get the example of that from God himself. And so I feel like when I was studying this and I was really asking the Lord myself, God, what does this mean? What does it mean to be a a spiritual father to someone? And I believe God started to speak to me and he showed me three things. So number one is it is fathering. It's mothering. It is guiding. It is leading. It's teaching. That's a big part of it. But if that's all it is, you're missing the fullness of what it really means to be a spiritual mother or father. And you're not doing, you're not functioning in the way that God functions with us, towards us in this way. A lot of people stop there. They're like, my job is to teach. My job is to instruct. My job is to guide. And then, you know, I'm keeping you at a distance, an arm's length distance. This is not the example that Jesus gave us. This is not what he did with his disciples. He lived with them. He did life with them. Those were his best friends. So, yes, number one is it is being a a father or a mother. It's leading, it's guiding, it's teaching. But number two, it's a friendship. It's a friendship. No longer do I call you servants and now call you friends. So, so many spiritual leaders or spiritual mentors, they have this arm's length thing. They're like, I'm here to teach you, and then we're separate. We don't do life together. You don't get in my life. I don't get in yours. I'm just, I'm passing down the instruction. What did Jesus do? He taught them, and then he lived with them. He walked it out with them. They were together all the time. They ate together. They slept together. They, they were always together. So number one, it's, it's spiritual fathering and mothering. Number two, it is a friendship. And number three, it's a family. It's a family. God is the father. We're all brothers and sisters here because we share the same father. It's a family. Jesus is our older brother. And it's this family relationship. Amen. So the point is this. God doesn't just interact with us as father. He wants to interact with us as a friend. God wants to work together with us as friends. This is what it means to co-labor. Okay, some of you need to hear this this morning. God likes you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. And some of you need to hear this. God likes what you bring to the table. He didn't lobotomize all of us. 
take away our creativity and just say, I want you to be good at following orders. He gave you creativity. He gave you an imagination so that you could partner with him. Your imagination is to sh- for imagining God showing up in your life, but it's also for imagining with God, dreaming with God. He likes you. He likes what you bring to the table. We're not just waiting for marching orders. Okay, God, I don't want to have a creative thought in my brain. Just tell me what to do. Because my thoughts could not possibly be good. No, he actually gave you an imagination that he wants you to use. And, and sometimes we, we have this unhealthy thing that like, okay, I'm, I'm man, I'm sinner, I'm nothing good can come from this thing. So God just, I don't want to, I can't be involved in the equation. You just tell me what to do and I'll follow. That's not what God wants from us. Amen. He likes your imagination. I've had many times where I'm like, God, what should I do here? And I hear God say, what's your heart? What's the desire of your heart? Sometimes the answer is, what's the desire of your heart? What do you want in this? I feel the religious pushback, (laughs) even in my own soul of saying that. Like, what do you want? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Yes, there's going to be moments where it's like God saying, this is what you're supposed to do. I've had those moments too. But there's other moments where it's like, well, let's do this together. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? If my son comes to me or my daughter comes to me, what should I do? My first question, and I've said this to a lot of people that have asked me the same thing, what's the desire of your heart? What do you want? We shouldn't discard that. We're not going to live in that completely and be like, it's, it's, it's all about what I want, but we're not going to live all, over, all the way over here and say, my thoughts, my imagination is useless. God, just point me in the right direction. Amen? There's going to be this tension. Amen? Okay, where are we? God gave you an imagination to dream dream with him. Here's some examples of, of friendship in the Bible. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the garden. They walked and talked with him. This is Jesus died to actually restore us back to the type of relationship that Adam and Eve had with God, where they walked and talked with him. They walked together with him. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Remember, there's a big difference of doing things for God and with God. Enoch walked with God. The Bible says Noah walked with God. Abraham was called a friend of God. The Bible says that Moses spoke with God face to face as a man speaks with his... Anybody know it? Friend. Moses spoke to God face-to-face as a man speaks with his friend. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, I now call you friends. 
Jesus wants to be so much more than just your ticket to heaven. He's inviting you into something deeper. It's called friendship. He wants to be so much more than just your ticket to heaven. And he wants you to see yourself as so much more than just a servant. But he wants you to graduate into friendship. Just like the disciples, there was a point where he's like, okay, from now on, no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Jesus gives all who trust in him the privilege of being his friend. Isn't God amazing that he is calling us into friendship? You know, this is, if we get this, this really is something that really separates Christianity from the other religions. Because so many other religions, it is about this slavery, this servanthood of this, like, separation. But our God is calling us into something amazing, friendship, family. That's another thing that separates Christianity from the other religions. Oh, God is our Father. He's not just this distant being. He's our dad. I'm going to close with this. John 17, verse 3. This is, this is my scripture for the hour. This is my new favorite scripture. I just saved this on my iPhone screen. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ who, who you have sent. And this is life. This is eternal life. One translation says, this is continuous life, that they may know you. This is why we're here, to know him as a friend. He likes you. He likes what you bring to the table, and he wants you to, to know him, and he wants to know you. If you never graduate from just being a servant, you'll never have the opportunity to truly know him and partner with him as a friend. This is eternal life, that they may know you. Read that chapter, John 17. I challenge you to do that, not right now, but later. It's one of the most powerful scriptures about union with Christ, about the fact that we're created to experience his glory And it's one of the most powerful passages about the fullness of what Jesus paid for on the cross, what he actually desires for our relationship to be with dad and our relationship with him to be. It's, it challenges me every time I read it. I'm like, God, I'd, I don't fully get this yet because this is bigger than I've ever experienced. This oneness, this unity, this friendship, this, God, I want to share the glory with them. God, I want them to be one with us. God, the relationship that I have with you, we want to share that with them. It's really powerful. 
This is eternal life, that they may know you. I want you to close your eyes this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm pretty sure I know every single person here. But I want to do this, uh, even if it's just for live stream. So if you're joining us on live stream, thank you for joining us. You know, we're coming up on Christmas, and it's the season where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to the earth, it changed everything. What Jesus did for us changed everything. You want to know that Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to reveal the heart of the Father. He came to set free those who were oppressed. But the most important reason he came was to die. He died to restore union between us and God. He died so that we could be completely clean, free of sin, washed white as snow. He died so that we could be friends with him and with the Father. He died so that we could have the privilege to call ourselves friends of God. So we thank you, Jesus, for what you did. We thank you that you didn't stay dead on the cross, but you rose from the grave and that you're alive and that you give us yourself and that you said anyone who believes in you, you would come and live inside of us and guide us, befriend us and walk with us and share the glory that you have and the Father has. So I just want to invite you today, if you've never received Jesus, or if you did and you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus, you can do that right now. So I'd like to just say this prayer together. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus, so that I'd be washed of all my sin. Father, I repent of my sins right now. I receive you, Jesus Christ. Become my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you said that prayer for the first time, would you let us know, or if you rededicated your life, would you just please let us know? You can let us know either via message, uh, Facebook message, or you can let us know in person. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? Can we have our altar team come forward? If you need prayer today, I encourage you to come forward. We would love to to bless you, to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're inviting us into friendship. God, we pray that we wouldn't see you as this distant being that's far away, but that we would see you as the friend that you call us. You call us friends. Jesus, you called us friends. So we pray that we would step out of any slavery mindset, any mindset that gets us stuck in thinking that, or maybe not believing that you want to partner with us as friends. So God, we just pray that you help us to graduate into friendship in every area of our life. We pray that we would approach you as friend. We thank you, Jesus. Father God, bless each person here. We just pray as we go out to lunch today, God, that you're putting people in our paths, that we're going to meet people who need you. We just pray for an anointing, even on each person here, that as they just even just encounter people and they hand out a ticket, God, that they're going in the right hands of people that need you, that are searching for you, that they've been praying, they've been looking for you. And this, this they're going to look at is like, wow, this is the answer to my prayer. So just bless each person here. Father God, we pray you bring us back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.